Life Radio. Stories at the intersection of music and life. Welcome to another episode of Music Life Radio. I am your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com and features interviews and stories about and related to music. Today on the program, Eric Kaur interviews Marco Tita about his new book, Human Punk for Real. Marco grew up in Germany, where he quickly fell in love with the punk rock movement. Marco tells stories from a fan's perspective in his new book, Human Punk For Real. Eric talks to Marco about his favorite bands, why he fell in love with the punk music scene, shares a lot of very interesting stories from the scene, and we listen to some great music on top of all that as well. Sit back and relax and enjoy another episode of Music Life Radio, this one entitled Human Punk. The Marco Tita story. So, welcome to Music Life Radio. My name is Eric Kaur from the band Gunpowder, and I'm here today with Marco Tita, who wrote the book Human Punk for Real. Welcome, Marco. Yeah, thank you very much. So, from Bremen to Vallejo. Yeah, big step. That is a big step. So let's let's jump right into it. Is it's a great book. I I read it very quickly. Something that I really enjoyed about the book is so much I've seen about punk rock or just music scene stuff in general is often written from the point of view of either musicians or promoters. But in your case, it was written from somebody who was part of a movement, part of a scene, right. and somebody who was just living this on a day to day basis. And that's one of the things that really connected me to your work is I felt a whole different perspective and a different connection to it than I ever would have gotten if it was just from somebody touring from city to city because you had that unique perspective. So in the book you talk about it early on, what was your motivation for actually sitting down and writing the book Human Punk for Real? Well, that's actually really funny because two of my buddies who used to be ex skinheads i wouldn't say right-wing skinheads but they were back in the day they were like kind of my enemies and nowadays they're luckily very good friends of mine they they both um wrote a book and when i was reading the book i was like uh, it's okay but you know i can beat the stories 100 times better and and the other thing is, you know, our hometown back in the day was very, very um, big in fighting against fascist skinheads and beating up skinheads. And both of my friends never mentioned what we were like constantly kicking their asses. And <laughs> I, I, my, my first reaction on, on it was somebody has to write it down. And that was actually my, my motivation for it. So can you tell us what was the what would you say was the time period when when the violence began? Because I, 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 there was it was pretty brutal time from what I read. Oh yeah, it was brutal as fuck, unfortunately. But that's how it was. Um, hard to say. I would say it started in the eighties. Okay. And uh, yeah, especially Bremen, my hometown, was like um, you know from the beginning on. We said because we went 
we traveled a lot to different towns. We saw all these stupid skinheads who were starting, you know, riots with like 20 people that were like beating up. And there was like an audience of 100 people. And we said in Bremen, no skinhead is allowed to come to the shows. We kicked their asses. So the skinheads were actually coming to the punk shows and beating people up. Yes. First, you know, the first thing was skins and punks were kind of united in the beginning. And then, you know, they split apart and then it became much more violent in the scene and um, we uh, yeah we created the anti-skinhead league in Bremen which was famous all over Germany and the, all the skinheads were shitting their pants the whole time <laughs> when they came to Bremen <laughs> even unfortunately uh, lots of punks too which was kind of stupid I think well, I remember I think it was uh, you might have mentioned in your book too but I remember Kate Knox once told me that Bremen was basically an anti-skinhead zone is it was uh, skinheads throughout Europe knew that that was off limits and that was... Yeah, but a weird thing about it, it still had a big movement, you know? Like, it was like an underground movement and still to this day, unfortunately, Bremen has one of the biggest Nazi bands. You know, back in the day from England, it was Screwdriver and nowadays it's a stupid band. Uh, well, uh, now I'm blinking. It's a few bands, and I actually don't want to make commercial for those. Right, but, right. No, but know? now Nazi music is banned in Germany, right? I mean, yes. and from a legal perspective. Yes. And I'm I'm saying that in quotes for those of you who can't see me at the moment. Right. So, but it still persists. Oh yeah, and unfortunately they have a big uh, underground movement, and I have to say they have a very good uh, organization. You know, mm -hmm. with with phones and all the stuff they organize their shows. Really good, you know, mostly you, you hear about this when the show was happened, not before. So, yeah, unfortunately, that's a big plus what they have. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's still big, and it was big back in the day. And uh, But, you know, it, it, they couldn't, um, you know, couldn't go in the streets like like, like in, in other counties, like, the, let's say in an Orange County, where skin is present everywhere, mm -hmm. you know, that's, well, that, that was not possible for them in our hometown. With the skinheads that were there, though, is, is you talked a little bit about the early skinhead movement versus what, what it evolved into. So I know the early skinhead movement was more of a working class. Right. And uh, how did it evolve into what it became? How did it, how did it become a Nazi movement? Well, or at least even uh, in where, where you are. I mean, you'd think that the history would push people from that and that's a good question a question because i think many people like violence and unfortunately uh stupidity is a big problem in the world and there are so many stupid people in the world they need a dress code and i actually like that <laughs> that's what i liked about the nazi skinheads because Sorry, i love that I, stupid people need a dress code that, that's <laughs> yeah that's either the title of your next book or at least a t-shirt design is <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, but I liked that, you know, because you could see, oh, there's an asshole. So, you know, he looks like shit. He's, he's a stupid asshole. Let's beat him up. So, I don't know. But nowadays, it's much more dangerous. You know, the, the um, you know, nowadays, the Nazi movement in Germany or anywhere else, I think, they dress up like left-wing people. And that makes it much more dangerous because okay. you don't know what's going on until you... So, it's become them. a little more sophisticated. Yeah, yeah. So, so they're still ignorant fucks, just a little more sophisticated as ignorant fucks. Yeah, unfortunately. I don't know. How is that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I, I, you talked a little bit about in your book, but I remember when I was a, a kid traveling to Germany, I was about 15, 16 years old, and I collected all the German music I could get my hands on, German punk bands. 
Yeah. And it was so hard to get that stuff in the States, but there were some really, really interesting and amazing bands. Oh, yes. Some of the ones, I remember finding a really old school band, which I still have their album at home, uh, the Straßenjungens. Oh, Straßenjungs. Yeah. Uh, it was, this is a story, the story of Big Ben, something like that. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. That was, that was actually one of the first official... That was one of the really early ones, wasn't it? Yeah. But they were actually hippies. You know? Were they? Okay. They were like teachers and they dress up like punks, but they had all these songs about fucking and stuff. It was... <laughs> <laughs> they had that really, really funny lyrics. I have to say that. Well, they did look like hippie, hippies on the cover, I remember. Yeah. Some of them really long hair. and Long hair, puffy hair, beards. <laughs> I was like, that's not punk. <laughs> and I saw them live and they were still funny. And But they were not really a big part of the punk movement, I can say. I don't know. They were more rocky, you know. But they was, were funny and okay. Yeah. Well, I remember, and I'm just trying to remember some of the other names that I Ran across Blunt and Eisen. Blunt and Eisen. I've got one of their albums at home. Very good band. Yeah, I really liked that a lot. They were that was really good. Yeah, before they became Blunt and Eisen, their first band was called Bootstock, which is connected to Woodstock. Oh, that's what it sounds like. Okay, it means like an aggressive stick. So I like that name better. <laughs> aggressive stick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it translates quite as well into English though. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I actually remember seeing a German band that was on tour with Toxic Reasons. Great band. Yeah, that's a, their their album, Kill by Remote Control, is still one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. Is the band KGB, do you remember them? KGB, yeah, I remember them. And I saw them, but I was too, probably too drunk and too shit-faced to remember how the show was. Yeah. But they were like... Shit on a ton of great bands back then. Well, that's I, I feel bad because I, I it's so hard to get the music. I, another band I just remember seeing from Bob Fest was Corrupt. Yeah, which they're amazing. And another band I liked a lot, Neben Verken, which you talk about in the book. And Neben Verken, yeah, they were band. actually you know my buddies. I used to hang out on a daily basis back in the day. So like with Digger and yeah, because they you know they were from my home part, hometown in, in Bremen North, where we all hang out. Hang out. So what would have been some of your favorite German punk bands? <clears throat> Holy moly. Because we, we hear about the American bands, we hear about the English bands, even Italian raw power, but we hardly ever hear about German bands. Well, I would say the best German punk rock band ever was the Buttocks from Hamburg. The Buttocks. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm writing this down so people may hear the pen scribbling. <laughs> okay. They exist only for, for, you know, they were like a 97 or 70, uh, no, no, 78 band. Okay. Or 79. They were one of the first punk bands. They were really, really great. Uh, the Razors are an awesome band. I think Hamburg used to have the best punk rock bands. Razors, you know, they, they still exist. They reformed, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, and they are really, really good. And of course, Slime, they, are, they have probably the best lyrics. They're a very political band. And uh, Now they're back playing again, aren't they? Yes. And especially when I think back, you know, when we had like demonstrations and we were like smashing the windows on some banks, we were listening to loud slime music through, through the speakers, but it's like beat up the cops and stuff like that. It's, that's a great name for a punk band, Slime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're a really, really good band, for sure. Great musicians. But yeah, I don't know. There were like so many bands. I think um, the northern bands were the better bands, like from Hamburg, from Berlin. There were some big bands. 
I like that the sound of the German punk was a little different. Is it just had its own tone? German was a great language for punk rock. I just, I, it sounds really great being sung with punk rock lyrics. Yeah, I found out about that later. You know, I always was into the English punk movement and yeah. the American. I I loved all that stuff. You know. So now you you actually got to go. Was it seventy seven? You were you went to England to King's Road and. Well, I no, no, no. My first time in England was actually in 1981. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, that was when uh, Kingsword was still a big thing in England. That was like a meeting place where punks hung out. That was actually very close to um, where the Sex Pistols used to hung, mm -hmm. hung out. I didn't know that back in the day. It was like, okay, it's a cool punk uh, rock hangout. And sometimes on the weekends, there were like 200 punks there. It was really crazy. And I was like, extremely spiky hair and it was really really cool london was like that was a, the best town to go you now in the early 80s i loved it and i will never forget it. it was really really cool is there still much going on there these days or in london yeah cause i know the, re the restarts are, are yeah. based over there aren't they yeah it's different you know but i think every time period is different you know the, you can't compare the 70s with 2010 or right. 2070 um but uh yeah london has still a awesome punk scene but it's not like an official thing where punks hang out on on meeting points make some stupid photos for tourists you know so it's more more underground but much more sophisticated i think yeah the punk scene in bremen was was it sounds like it was a pretty big scene yeah yeah what are some of your memories of just that scene kind of the spawning of it at the beginning. I remember you talked a lot about the band Sweet, how that was kind of a, a, a band that was a pivotal segue into the punk rock scene. The Sweet, yeah. That, yeah before I be, uh, became a punk, I was a total Sweet fan. You know, people listen to... Ballroom Blitz. Yeah, Ballroom Blitz is... A, Still a classic. It's a classic song, and, and they have lots of classic. And nowadays, you know, uh, I always go to Blackpool to the Rebellion Festival, and Sweet are headlining. It's crazy. Oh, you're kidding. Yes. But, you know, it's not the same because the singer is dead. I was going to ask if any of them are still the same. <laughs> no, no, no. The singer died a long time ago. And I was... It's written down in a book, too. I was happy to board him. But was <laughs> two months before he died <laughs> on a show where he, where he played. But he looks pretty bad. So this is more Sweet Point 2 is what, we're, what yeah. you're going to go see. But, hey, you know, I would consider it was punk back in the, in the day. Because Sweet were one of the first bands who... who who played live like the who and they were like smashing their instruments breaking the microphones on live shows nobody did that you know you ready Steve? Uh -huh. Andy? Yeah. Mick? Okay. Alright fellas let's go! One. Oh yeah, it was like lightning Everybody was frightening And the music was soothing And they all started grooving Yeah, 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 yeah In the mind of the back city Everyone attacked and 
Dan Sweet in a late or in a mid 70s start writing love songs. I was like, what the fuck? And luckily at the same time, punk rock became famous. You know, then you were listening to Pistols and Stranglers, and that was that was unbelievable. That was such an impact. Do you remember the first punk rock that you heard? That's a good. Well, I don't know if it was a Pistols. But I remember when I was uh, in a living room with my parents' living room and my brother played Ratus Norvigicus, or, or how's it called, from, from Stranglers, the first record. Okay, yeah, yeah. And when I heard John Jack Bernal's bass, I was like, holy moly, what is that for an instrument? That was crazy. And for that minute on, that was my music. So strange, and my brother hated punk. But he bought that record. And so I, he I hated it. it, but he's the one who introduced you to it. Yeah, yeah. well, he didn't introduce me because, you know, I was listening to John Peel's music. Um, that was a radio station from England, and you could listen to it in Germany. And they, he played all this weird stuff, you know, the, the crazy things. Oh, so you could get English radio stations in Germany? Yes. Okay, okay. That was really cool. I don't know, for some reason, Brain catch it up. Because John Peel made some radio shows in Bremen too in the late seventies, and I don't know why, but it was great fortune for us. See, when I was a kid, we used to the only place we could hear punk rock music was college radio stations, okay. and usually from say one in the morning to three a.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah, and that would literally be people would stay up because that was the only time you could hear punk rock, the only place you could hear punk rock. So yeah, I, where so there was English state was it. Was it similar for you, college stations, or were there other avenues that you were hearing new music? No, that was actually the only one, and I remember it was on a Thursday evening at like 10 o'clock in the evening, so that was kind of weird. Oh, you, were, you were lucky that... Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally, and everybody was making tapes of the, of the radio show, so yeah, we were all talking about these new bands we were listening to, that was really great, because he was really cool, he was... Not um, actually, yeah. He was playing the mainstream punk rock, like through the Banshees and and Pistols. But then he was playing all this weird stuff, like Swabbing Grizzle or Pear Pear Ubu, or mm -hmm. you know, all this weird stuff. Nobody would ever play that. What it was interesting because I remember early punk rock is the people who well, you would hear all the stuff. You would hear punk. You would hear what we call new wave. You would hear what we now call goth is that it was all kind of just packaged in one big lump and it was but it was fun because you get exposed to so many things that you might not go out and look for on your own but you still got to hear it yeah that's why i always called myself a punk nazi because i loved everything was called punk i was like into it <laughs> <laughs> so tell me what, what was your first punk show what was the first my first punk show was uh i think it was in 79 and it was a band they called the bump buddies Later on, they turned into um, Daily Terror from Germany. They were a little bit more famous. Yeah, Bump Buddies and Riot Squad. It was two bands from Braunschweig, which is like 100 miles from Bremen. And normally Braunschweig is a shithole. You know, There's actually a town called Braunschweig? Yeah. Oh, my God. For people listening, that's that's basically liver sausage. <laughs> yes. I mean, when I grew, cause I grew up in a place... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, just the thought of a topic called liver sausage. Yeah, it's it's a boring town. Oh my god! But these bands were great, and I went there with my long hair, and I was, you know, I was listening to punk rock already. And but 
I will never forget the show because, you know, the first time ever I saw so many punks there, like from everywhere, from all these villages. And I was just spilling beer into my hair to make my hair spiky or whatever. And, and my dad had to pick me up because I was 12 years old. And I just grabbed my dad and I was like, you have to see this, you have to see this. And uh, unfortunately, he was like disgusted and uh, he didn't like it. And he couldn't share my passion for that. <laughs> But I loved it. It was great. Yeah, in, in Bremen there were many, many shows. It was like everywhere there was like a show going on. But I used to live in Bremen North, which is uh, like a half hour from, from the downtown area. But we had to, back, had to travel back in the days with, with a bus, which takes you like two hours, you know. Nowadays it's a, it's a half hour mm. bus ride, but back in the day it was like two hours and it, it was a big thing for us. We didn't have the money because we always we were always drinking beer, had to pee, get out of the bus, and it was like oh, it was a big major deal for us. You just pee on the bus like people do around here. Well, not <laughs> in the bus, but you know, yeah. Sometimes we got too wasted and couldn't make it to the show, but that's that's how it was. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Everywhere I bet. Yeah, no, no, I remember. There's a band I've seen at least twice that I still don't. I have no idea. It was the Descendants. Oh, okay. I've seen them twice, and I only know because I remember people told me I was there. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Other than that, I have absolutely no idea. I don't even know what they sound like. I just remember that was what was happening, and that's where I wound up, and apparently I was kind of plopped in a corner, and yeah. they pulled me out at the end of it. And Yeah, it's so strange. If you talk to friends nowadays about shows, and really, I was there? I can't remember this. I know. <laughs> So, what were some of your favorite bands from England? Favorite bands from England? Well, what do you mean? Which year are you talking about? Well, so there was one band you kept mentioning in the book, and I, I haven't found their music yet. Extreme Noise Terror? Oh, yeah. Such a great name. Yeah. Great band. You know, if, if I think about the first punk bands in England, I think Pistols, Stranglers, uh, and The Damned, they were like my big favorite bands. But then in the 80s, when, you know, when punk kind of died because it was like mainstream thing and mm. pay, uh, bands uh, were signing for major labels. You know, I immediately loved Crass and Conflict. I totally loved all the anarchist movement, you know, um, anti-system and uh, anti-sect, all those bands. You know, I was like totally into that. And then, of course, in the mid-80s, um, Extreme Noise Terror. That was uh, still, to this day, one of my favorite bands. They're really awesome people, and yeah, I see them in two weeks. I'm excited. Oh, they're, they're still playing? Yeah, they play. Okay, cause I haven't heard their music yet, but now I'm more than ever I want to hear it, so. You never heard them? I've never heard them, no. there was That was one of the things that was fun for me reading the book, is that you mentioned bands I'd never heard of, and oh, so. Okay. Well, Extreme Noise Terror were one of the, they were the first band who had like two singers, and they sounded like, like rabbit bulldogs when they were singing you know two singers and it was like noisy but it was new it was brand new it mm -hmm. was crazy them and napalm death that was like fast as fuck and it was pure insanity you know i'm not into uh, all this grindcore stuff because mm -hmm. for me it sounds all the same but extreme boys terror back in the day were the first punk band who did that and uh for some reason it's it's written down in a book too i had this connection to this guy in london he constantly sent me 
photos of all these new bands in best quality. And he sent me a demo tape of Extreme Was Terror. I was like, what is that? And I was like, since I listened to that, it was like unbelievable. I was blown away. And uh, I wrote their logo immediately on my jacket. And then I met these people in England and uh, they haven't even released a record. And there's this German punk was having their, their, their band logo on a jacket already. And I was like, God, they were like, fuck. <laughs> and since that day, we were big friends and... Unfortunately, Phil, the second singer of Extreme Noise Terror, died a few years ago, and uh, that was really, really sad. And uh, I was, but it was a big honor for me. I was one of the pole barriers when you know on his funeral, and it's it's a crazy story. But the connection to the band is always good, and me and Dean are great friends. So I'm looking forward to see them in two weeks in Anaheim. That sounds oh Anaheim, California. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know they. Are they coming up this way at all or not? No, unfortunately not. They do five shows and they go to Texas. And I don't know why they play in fucking Anaheim. Because I felt it's such a right-wing, stupid town. Maybe it needs to have extreme noise terror then. Maybe it needs. And uh, yeah, you know. Just be too easy for them up here. I felt there was a big <laughs> fight with skinheads last week on a street dogs show. Yeah, Down in so SoCal? In Anaheim, yeah. Oh, wow. I already wrote to Dean from Extreme Noise, you know, we all need to get prepared if these wankers show up that we kick their asses. I hate them. <laughs> I fucking hate them. I got that feeling from reading the book. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to fight anymore in my life. You know, I'm 50 years old and I hope I don't have to, but I don't want to run away from those assholes. I can't just, if these people show up and, and are, dis are disrespectful to people, and seek Heiling, I can't just stay there and ignore it. I can't. Even if I don't have health insurance. Of, of, well, thank God for Obamacare, right? So now you can get insured. Well, so. you know, <laughs> yeah, it's nice. You know, I'm not officially working. My wife makes $25 an hour and we are denied for our Obamacare. Oh, really? Yeah, it's funny. I think we live actually in a third world here. Yeah, now America's got a lot of issues. So. Yes, it's, it's really weird. It's so strange. I don't know. I have a happy skinhead story for you. Okay. So uh, this guy, I, I knew him and his wife. I didn't know him very well, but I knew his wife better. We're drinking in the hate somewhere. And they were drinking, they were watching a football game. And there was a bunch of apparently good skinheads in the bar. I, I, I still haven't quite figured that one out yet. And they, his, his, they started bothering his wife. 
she was Latina. Okay. And so apparently they were racist skinheads, even though they claim not to be. And But he was also, had been a boxer in Liverpool, England. Oh, nice. Yeah. And had almost, had actually been almost on the, the English boxing team for the, the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And needless to say, by the time the cops got there, apparently he had one of their eyeballs in his hands. Oh, my God. There was blood everywhere. One of his hands was broken. There were no skinheads left. <laughs> So that was kind of the, you know, so there, there are, you know, there, there's people working on, on it here. So you're not alone in your fight. So that's good. You know, I don't have a problem with skinheads. I, I have some awesome skinheads friends, but what I don't understand, even with like the left, left wing skinhead movement, that they only have to hang out in groups, you know? It, it's weird, you know? I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get I, it. I don't either. Yeah, it's, it's weird to me. Well, luckily, we don't have to join that. Yes, yes. But, you know, thumbs up to the good skinheads, and uh, I'm glad that some, some skinheads, um, they hate the right-wing movement, too, because it makes no sense, you know, it's just stupidity. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, those things just keep growing, and, and they, they stick around, but... Yeah. I don't get the whole racism thing anyways. The, the whole story about the Aryan race and all the stupidity... Really, is, 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 is skin color really a main problem we have in the world? Really? You know, look about global warming and all this shit. You know, that's much more important. I don't give a fuck. You know, when I moved to Vallejo and I had to apply for my, um, you know, driver's license, your, your, your ID and stuff, mm. I walk into a room and uh, the impression for me was so cool because I saw every nation in this room. And I was like, fuck, I like that. That's pretty mm. awesome because, because we are all the same at the end, you know? That's one of the really nice things about living where we do, because there is so much diversity and there's, there's, everybody's here. Yeah. I'm curious with your book, were there things the minute after it was published, you went, oh, I forgot this story or I forgot that story and oh, no. I wish I would have talked about this. Luckily not. And I'm still waiting for that story. I'm like, <laughs> it's so cool. And well, there's maybe one or two stories I couldn't write in a book, but that's like more private stuff. It's, it's not, you know, it's not scene related. Okay. So maybe I should tell it here in an in a, in a interview. I don't know. You're more than welcome to. We can always cut it out if it's, if it's, a, if, if it's something you don't want to. Well, my wife is here with me, but <laughs> may, she knows the story. <laughs> you know, you know I'm, I'm married this third time in my life. And, um, you know, my first wife was crazy. So we got divorced. Second wife, I was divorced, uh, you know, we were like married for a half year and then she cheated on me and, you know, so we, I said, oh, okay, you know, we need to get divorced as soon as possible. And, well, we went to the, you know, to, you know, we got divorced in like five minutes. It was just, that was really easy. And we had the same lawyer. He was a good friend of mine, mm. ex-punk and nice guy. And after we got divorced, he, he was asking us, how do you want to pay that? And I was like, what do you mean? Well, do you want to pay tax on it or not? I was like, why should I pay tax on my divorce? You know, fuck it. I want to have it as cheap as possible. So he, he wrote me an email uh, two weeks later and he said, okay, you know, the whole thing costs you $1,400 no, or euros. And he said, second sentence, because it's you, it's 700 euros. And because your ex is a cunt, let her pay the shit. So I got, got it for free. 
So that's one story. What's the other story? No, no, no. That's well, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, no, that's actually one of the main stories, which is all right, popping all right. up in my head. Yeah, but I was like constantly looking for, did I miss something? Did I forget something? And no, not really, you know, which is great. I think yeah. it's cool. I, I did a good job in that case. Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's a really fun read. It's, it's, it's really fun following your story as you go to different places, as you go to England and you experience that, as you come to the States for the first time coming to to California and yeah. to Oakland and yeah yeah you you know I released a book first in in Germany in in, in German mm -hmm. and all my friends who know me they were like oh my god it's like you you staying right next to me and telling me this, these stories yeah and and that's that was the biggest compliment I got for the book in Germany you know and I think so too it's really easy to read because people here in the states they recommended me some other punk books and I read the books and I was I'm not a good reader, but then, you know, you sometimes you have to read like 10 pages till it, they finally come to the point, and I hate that. You know, I want to have it clear in like a few sentences because I go from story to story, and I, yeah, I'm actually maybe a good storyteller, you know. You are, you are, it's, and that's a, the way it was described by your friends in German, uh, Germany is it, it is true, is I felt like you were sitting next to me, we were having a drink, and you were telling a story. Right. Yeah, and I don't want to make 10 pages of it, you know, if I tell you one story. So then go to the other story. Or that's how you, if, if you hang, hang out with your friends, you know, mm -hmm. in a bar or wherever, you, everybody's telling stories. That's, that's a little bit how the book is, I think. No, it's great. There's nothing pretentious about it. It's very direct, very straightforward. And I really felt like I was there with you in some of oh, these. Oh, cool. That's, that, that's a compliment, too. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And things that, that really surprised me was just the brutality of that's of the scene in I mean where you were because where I was I was I was in the Midwest it was just cornfields and a, and a handful of punks you know it's yeah but I bet the brutality brutality was actually everywhere it was not only in my hometown but we were very strict about it and yeah our punk scene was really really violent I was not one of these violent guys who had to attack people immediately but you know there were like quite a few punks uh, they were like oh my god they knew to, how to fight and yeah the skinheads they were like shitting their pants if they, they if they even heard their names they were like oh my god and unfortunately you know them you know there was like a junkie see, uh, scene coming up very soon and these people just didn't give a fuck you know they were like ready to go with everything with knives with baseball bats and they were like, scary people but they were all good friends you know <laughs> luckily for me you know yeah, our biggest problem was metalheads. Yeah, that, that was the out, at least out here is is the metal scene was just it was interesting because even though nowadays a lot of people listen to punk and metal, and then there's a lot of hybrid punk and metal. Yeah, is at the time it was they were their scene and we were our scene, and and we wouldn't go to their stuff, but they'd come to our stuff and try and beat people up. And yeah, yeah, you know, in the early days, you don't know when punk rock was a new thing, and you walked. You know, wherever you were, as a punk, you know, people were like giving a shit because they were scared about, you know, different people. And sometimes, you know, you got attacked by random idiots, you know, rednecks or whatever type of people. And well, luckily we were able to fight back one day. You know, I, I didn't become a punk because I want to fight. Mm. You know, that was not my reason. But one day I said, fuck that, you know, I don't want to be constantly get beaten up by idiots. 
you know, for the media, it was interesting because they tried to create an enemy, you know, mm. because they need it for whatever reasons. And uh, there was this big thing going on in the late 70s in England with the Tats. Nobody really knows what Tats are in, in the States. It's like the old old school rockabilly fans, you know, who oh, were yeah, yeah. into Elvis with long sideburns and, mm. and shit. So there was this massive fight going on in England. And then the German media tries to make it big in, in Germany with, you know, in Hamburg. You know, there were like crazy go fights going on with Tats and Punks. And I knew some Tats in Bremen. And when I was reading about it, I was like, why should I attack these people? They're actually friends of mine. You know, the, the media wants it. And I had uh, only one time trouble with one Tat in, in Bremen North who tried to make this fight you know, ma making it uh, official in 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 our hometown. And we were like, that's stupid, you know. And he was like running away immediately. But that was our Ted fight. We had no mm. problems with Ted's because it's stupid. Oh, Ted's. Yeah. Okay, like the, the Teddies from the Teddy, England. Teddy, okay, Teddy okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's all the way back to like Beatles time, right? Or even yeah. pre that. Yeah, but they hated punks in England. They were like really really hardcore they I, so think, I didn't realize that movement was even still happening in the 70s in england that's yeah i think now nowadays maybe rockabilly is the new name for that you know rockabilly i think so yeah yeah well, especially out here we would call it rockabilly but you do see people going for that whole scene and style out here yeah. too and i didn't i never had a problem with rockabillies you know psychobillies were strange for me because that oh that's actually one of the things i missed to write it down in my book because the skinheads got beaten up so often that they <laughs> had to change something on the code. And they, uh, yeah, I don't know how you call that. You know, the, the little flats they had in front of their heads, the, the psychobillies, what they have. Oh, the, the, the pompadours. Yeah, yeah, pompadours. What a stupid name. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, the, the skinhead movement, actually, the Nazi skinhead movement, in, 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 or the gray zone movement, or however you want to call that, in Bremen, they had like three hairs in the front and they were like, hey, look, look, I'm, I'm a psychobilly. I'm not a, I'm not a skinhead. But they dress up like, like skinheads. You know, it was stupid. And we were like, no, fuck that. So we were beating them up too. <laughs> Did you beat them up and then just shave it off so that they'd be recognized? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you know, we were really, really crazy. And it took me years to finally realize that the industry was not... Um, making bomber jackets just for Nazi skinheads. You know, I wrote, book, uh, I wrote down in a book for like two stories that we were like beating up two guys who actually had cancer. <laughs> Remember that. But, uh, you know, they, they came from a chemotherapy, had no hair, nothing. But unfortunately, they were wearing bomber jackets. I hope you at least bought them a drink afterwards. Oh, no, it was really, oh my God, it was so sad. You know, this one guy, we beat him up and he... When I was when he was on the ground, I realized, "Fuck, he has no eyebrows. There's, there's something wrong." And and then I was like, "Oh my god, I know this guy, you know." But yeah, <laughs> it's it's hardcore. It's so it bad. sounds brutal. It's yeah, it is. Uh, but yeah, but we were like constantly on a chase. We were like looking for skinheads, driving around and and looking for them. It was weird. And and uh, it. Maybe for like, it took me years to, to realize, you know, not everybody who has no hair on his head is not a skinhead, you know, it's weird.
Well, it's interesting though because I, I I can see the the political connections too between Bremen and the Bay Area because I remember when I moved out here, one of the things that people would talk about what is that this is kind of a no skinhead zone out here too. Yeah, and I've I've met people who actually used to their hobby was going around San Francisco beating up skinheads. Well, that's that's interesting because I think my first time when I was here in the Bay Area and San Francisco, it was in '87. You know, I was related to the people from Fang. They mm-hmm. were the first ones who came over to Bremen. They stranded there, and so that's how we got our connection. And I remember I went to a show at the farm with my friend Digger. Mm-hmm. And we saw just skinheads and we're like, fuck, we have to beat them all up. They're like hundreds. (laughs) (laughs) I like how it's an obligation. Yeah, and it was kind of scary for us. And we're like, what's going on here? And uh, Digger and me were like drinking one beer after the other. We're like, we can hang out with these guys here. And I remember I went to the bar and there was like a group of like 10 skinheads, you know, in a row. And here in Oakland. Yes. And I just went, you know, like, like... in the middle of the skin, it's like punching them away from me to get my beer. And nobody did anything. You know, it was weird. Was, they could beat me up immediately. I'm not a good fighter. It's weird. But I was maybe such a big mouse bastard back in the day. And a lucky guy for some reason. <laughs> then they didn't attack me. I don't know. It was really strange. But, you know, being in, in one venue with all these skinheads was so weird. And we tried to give them shit. But they leave us alone for some reason. It was strange. Maybe they realized that, that we hung out with Fang because we realized that, uh, you know, Fang and some skinheads were okay to each other. I don't know what it was. Maybe we were just lucky. Maybe they had all just come from chemotherapy. I mean, really, they, you know. You... Well, they should go to a different therapy, I think. A different therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could start a, a, a new practice is, is uh, Nazi recovery services. Yeah, this, yeah, but I'd, yeah, maybe, I don't know, stupidity is really hard to, how do you say, heal to. You can't beat it out of them, apparently, because you yeah, tried, so. I think it, stupidity is, is it's getting a, it's a big disease anyways. And, uh, yeah, well, I mean, America, we're suffering from it. I mean, it's, 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 we're, we're incredibly divided, and we have just the, rat, the right-wing factions here are really... Unbelievable at the moment. I mean, yeah. Really Believe me, we have the same in Germany. We still have, you know, growing stupidity everywhere. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty shocking. It's strange. I'm curious. Like, what, what's next? Do you want to keep writing? Do you have more stories that you want to tell? Are you? No, actually, that was it. You know, um, it, there's a journalist in Germany. She's a very good fan, and she offers me a job sometimes to write something. But that was it. Like only for two times. No. I don't want to actually write more. I'm, it's done. It's all written down. If something wants me to write something down, a story, I can do that immediately. I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with writing. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and I like true stories. I'm not, I don't want to write fairy tales or whatever. I'm totally okay with that. Okay. So I can cook. I don't want to write a cookbook. No chance for me. <laughs> There's not a lot of German cookbooks out there, though. It could be German-French cuisine or, or German-California uh, cuisine. but There's actually a German so. punk rock cookbook. There is a German punk rock cookbook. Yeah. Okay. Or the, the Ox magazine, you know, you know, punks can write recipes and they, they release it in every issue. That's pretty cool. Well, I know I have my Spätzle maker at home, so that's... 
<laughs> very important to me. Very important. So you're promoting the book right now. Are you are you doing readings anywhere? Are you going? No. Are you are you? Can people find you at shows? Where can they find you with it? Well, you know, getting rid of books is is is, is a problem, anyways. And I'm I'm not a good reader, so I don't want to go somewhere and read it down because I think I want to make myself a little bit, you know, important. And I'm not that important, but. Uh, yeah, you know, I try to bring some books in record stores and in bookstores, but I found out, you know, people are not really interested in it. It's, it's really sad. You know, I thought, oh, you know, I should, uh, you know, should bring books to this bookstore and to that bookstore and, you know, they will raise it out of my hands and then I can bring another load of books next week and that's not happening. It's really, really sad. If it makes you feel any better, that's what musicians go through the first time we release an album. We go to the stores and we come up and we have a whole bunch of them with us and they say, hmm, well, we could maybe take one. Yes. Yeah. And it's the and same then with six me. months later, they still have that one. Yeah, exactly. It's, so. it, it's kind of sad. So what I'm trying to do, I, I you know, um, my wife helped me with that. So we, we created a web page. It's uh, humanpunkforreal.com. Humanpunkforreal.com. Okay. Yes. That's where you can order it. You know, I go to shows very often, so I try to bring them to some shows and put them on a merch table. That's how I want to do that. Where did you come up with the name Human Punk for Real? You know, the Ruts from England, they were my absolute, one of my longtime favorite punk rock bands. And uh, my absolutely, uh, absolutely favorite punk rock song is on one of their first records. It's called Human Punk. It's a live version, live at the Marquee in London. And the, the band's The Ruts. The Ruts, yeah. Okay. A killer band. Really, really cool. And uh, unfortunately, their singer died in the early 80s, I think in 81. I have all their records, and uh, Human Punk was always my favorite song. And um, when I had this idea to write a book, I, I was immediately, I was like, I have to call it Human Punk. But I found out that another guy from England, a famous author, I think his name is... Stephen King or something like that. No, it was Stephen King. John King. John King. Okay. And uh, he had a book written down, Human Punk, as well. And I was like, fuck, what can I do? And um, I, you know, I found out about his book, about his email address, and I contacted him and I was like, hey, listen, bro, I'm a big Ruts fan. I have to use his name. And he, he just wrote me back and he's like, hey, I, I'm a Ruts, big Ruts fan too, so I don't have a problem. If you want to ask somebody, ask them, not me. I'm totally fine with that. And I think that was really, really mm -hmm. cool. So, yeah, that's why I chose that name. Human Punk for Wii to make it a little bit longer instead of just his, what he used for his name, for his book, you know. Fuck!
So this has been great. I, I, I was wondering, is there anything we haven't talked about that you really want to talk about? Maybe about what we have nowadays. Okay. Because I'm a little bit um, bored with the punk scene here, actually. Mm. And I think many of the older generation have this problem too. You know, I still, I'm, I'm still a very big um, English punk rock fan. That's why I always go to the Rebellion. It's really hard for me to discover new bands in the States here, which like, you know, if I go to England on a, on a punk show where I know, don't know any of these bands, there's always one or two bands who blow me away and I don't find that here. And this is the Rebellion Festival in... In Blackpool, which is every first weekend in August, every okay, year. Okay, in England. Yeah. Okay. Some people say, oh, it's too commercial and blah, blah, but you know, it's a great festival. It's like 5,000 punks. Wow. Everybody behaves. There's even shit tons of skinheads there, but they behave. They don't run around in, groove, uh, in, in groups. And uh, everybody's just having a good uh, time. And, and nobody's like writing shit on the walls. You know, even the toilets are clean. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's really cool, you know. And you can bump into the biggest skinheads, a skinhead and they apologize. It's not this shitty attitude thing but there are nazi skinheads you know they're doing their own thing you right. know somewhere in a bar but pff, fuck these idiots you know i don't give a fuck about them but uh, yeah that's that's a cool thing the rebellion thing and that's what i miss here you know sometimes um you know let's say one-way system from england that they are fucking fa fantastic and i saw them last year in sacramento and there were like 20 people i'm like really that's I don't get it. Well, even when we were at the GBH show, I thought that would be packed with punks. At the and Metro? At the Metro. And I, I, that was maybe, what, 200 people, but they could have fit another 100 people in there easily. Well, but that was well attended, you know. Well, but it's still, it's GBH. I mean, how often do they come to California? Right. And that's an amazing band. Yeah, or the Damned, you know, the Damned. I love them, and they played recently in uh, Santa Cruz in front of 40 people. Really? I didn't even know they were here. Yeah, well, that was when I left Germany last year, so Okay, I would be one of the... Well, see, I, I actually got to open for them once up in Petaluma. Oh, cool. And there were about 100 people, because the marquee would not put the word the damned on the sign. I'm really? not kidding, because this, the town was so Christian and so right-wing... That they, they, they actually protested the word the damned being up there. Yeah. But I have to say, Captain Sensible was one of the nicest people I've ever met. He's he was super awesome. He was so down to earth. And I loved that. I remember the Music for Pleasure album, their second album. That yeah. was one of the early, my first punk albums when I was a kid. And, and it was so much fun getting to talk to him about it because I know that wasn't a, a great album for them, but just to tell him what it meant to me as a kid. And he was just so down to earth and so approachable. And, yeah, they're, they're great people, you know. Unfortunately, their records, what they release nowadays, they are not that good. But they're, they're still a great live band. Oh, you know? fantastic. Yeah. And even if they're only playing for 100 or so people in Petaluma, they still they put don't on care. one. Hell yeah, it's, it's, they're just having a great time. But I think that's what you have to do if you want to survive as a long-term band. That yeah. You say, hey, you know what? We do our show, fuck it. Even if there's one one person in the audience, so... Yeah. You have to do that in order to survive that. I think so. Well, I think it's also is, I mean, I'm just speaking from a musician perspective is it, why not just treat every show like it's your last because it could be. 
and enjoy right. it like that. Yeah. And that's, that's the other thing what, what is really weird to me because if I think about, uh, the, especially to the Bay Area, there's like, you know, I'm probably the only one who's not a musician here, you know, in, in the <laughs> punk scene. I'm too stupid to play an instrument. Everybody's playing an instrument. So if there's like, like, like hundreds of, of punk rockers or thousands, or how many live here? I don't know. You know, in like the whole right. area. And, and there must be, you know, there must be even one small group who says, hey, you know what? We use the bass of the Stranglers. We use a singer like, like Stiff Bados from Dead Boys. Mm -hmm. And just let's create something really special. And that's, you know, my wife, she, she, you know, she likes punk rock too, but she got bored and she like she's like you know if i go to the show it's like showed it's always the same and she's kind of right and yeah and this bores me too and this is really i don't know should be this way you know because there's still so many great musicians out there and ideas and i'm still waiting for the well here. and i think one of the challenges is is as punk rock has had moments of mainstream a couple moments is there's just a lot of people who want to play it safe and they go, okay, if I play the, this, something that sounds like this, people will say I'm cool. I can be part of it. And which kind of goes against what I loved about the early punk was every band was just doing what created their sound, what yeah. was, what worked for them. I mean, cause a, a few bars of anything from the dead Kennedys to the dicks to, to corrupt. I mean, any of these bands would be just so distinctive. You'd know immediately who it was. And nowadays right. is, I can hear five bands and I couldn't tell you even what the difference between the five bands was. Half yeah. The time. So yeah. I know the frustration. Yeah. And that's, that's boring. And you know, it's, it's even in a, all these scenes are so divided, you know, it's this cross scene and, it's, yeah. you know, and I bet there's like bands out there, which are, are great, but you don't hear about them because you don't know about these scenes or you don't know what's going on over there. But uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to find out. So I'm still waiting for those bands. That's, you know, well, you know, that's why I'm going to Anaheim to see Exminoise Terror. I drive 12 hours or how many hours it takes to see an awesome band. That's how it is, unfortunately, but it's fun. Well, it sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a band I, I have to check out. So, well, thank you so much for coming on, on the show with us today. And this has been a lot of fun. So thank you to give me the opportunity. Yeah, well, it's a fantastic book. I, I, I had a hard time putting it down when I picked it up. I just enjoyed it so much, and it was so much fun getting to you sharing your life with me because that's what it felt like. It, saw, it felt like you were sitting down, and I mean, I'm lucky enough to, to know you, but still, even someone who doesn't know you will feel like they've known you when they're done reading the book. No, oh, that's a great compliment. That's really cool. So... So for people listening, please go check out humanpunkforreal.com and pick up the book. It's a great read, and it's a really nice snapshot of the punk scene and really puts a lot of things in perspective and gives one person's experience, which is a great, great journey. So thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks again to Marco and Eric for a great interview. Now let's end it with the great German punk band Slime with Polizei. Polizei, Polizei, unbestechlich und der Rest. Polizei, Polizei, missbraucht über ihre Macht. Ich will nur betönen, nachher was wir, was wir, was wir, was wir wollen. 
Was wir wollen, was wir wollen, was wir wollen. 